Amen. So we left off in, uh, at the end of Luke. We're not going to go there, um, but I do want you to go to that next page in your workbook, which is, no drum rolls, but that's page, uh, page 10, page 10. Um, and I'll just say something as we, as we just in review of the last page here. Jesus told three parables to the Pharisees to help them see the heart of who? Okay, to expose their hearts and to show how different their hearts were of the Father. The Father who sought the sheep, the Father who accepted the Son, the Father who sought, or well, the woman, but it's the idea of the Father's heart, who sought the value of that coin. And um, we left with that question, is that me? Is that, can, can I be described that way as Austin receives sinners? Austin draws sinners. And I'll just add to that, that how much is zero plus zero? I know you don't want to do math tonight. <laughs> yes, zero. So if I am around zero worldly people, zero nights a week, how many people am I going to be able to impact for the gospel? Zero. Now I'll say nights a week. I just mean your life. If you're constantly isolated from people of the world and you're not in there overcoming evil with good, then you will have zero opportunities. So uh, Jesus was around sinners. We need to do the same. I, I, I gave a warning about that. Obviously, don't do that if you're tempted in some way, uh, especially if you're trying to overcome a particular sin and it's tempting to you. But... If you are able to influence, that's what we're talking about, is influencing, not being overcome and influenced. Now, look at the top of page 10. Self, selfishness will derail our efforts to serve the Lord in any capacity. But in the area of winning souls, selfishness is especially destructive. We must learn to get out of ourselves and think more about others. Philippians 2, 3 through 5, we spent a long time talking about that passage in uh, Philippians 2, that we esteem others better than ourselves, that we are not self-seeking, that's going to take time. If my time is all about my time, then it's all about me. But if I can give my time to others, if I can lay my life down so that others can live, then we'll have opportunities. So selfishness will derail our efforts. So I've got to get out of myself and into others. One way that we want to talk about this idea of equipping is what kind of questions, that, sec that second paragraph, what kind of questions should I ask in order to get to know someone, to understand them? What are some questions that you might ask? Something about their childhood. Okay, yeah. Um, I, when I, I asked this in a previous class, someone said their name. <laughs> That's true. You do need to know their name, right? You need to know who they are. Um, childhood would be maybe a level two question, which we're going to talk about there, and information is useful to know. So, so bookmark that. That's a good question. But it also could be a dangerous question. So we might have to be careful how we ask that. Um, depends on what you mean by childhood. 
But what about just some generic questions? When you're, when you're meeting somebody, maybe for the first time, maybe they walk in the building here, what are some questions that you, you would ask? Where are you from? Your interest, okay, what do you like to do? Your interest. What do you, what do, you do for a living? What's your job? Um, if we're talking about in a building situation, somebody comes in and they, they say that they're a teacher, well, I'm gonna say, hey, yeah, I know Ashley, she's a teacher too, or whoever else. Connect them with other people that are similar to them, that helps. What else? What other? Where are you from? Where are you from? Yes, yes, are you from around here? How long have you been here? Um, if you say, like me, since September, you can get made fun of, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <coughs> hobbies, I got that one. Now, here's, here's something that took me a long time to realize, but I think is so important. We cannot expect people to be vulnerable to us if we are not vulnerable first. Cannot expect people to be vulnerable to us if we don't show some skin. As in, I, I, I have some weaknesses. I've got things going on in my life. Let me share some things about my life. If I ask them a serious question and I've only shared with them my favorite color, there's, there's an issue here. But as a Christian, and I'm trying to help them come to the gospel, I don't have any secrets to hide. My life's an open book. And I want to share that with them, share the life that I have with them, because I want them to have life in the Lord. So I'm willing to be vulnerable. You know, Paul says, our hearts have been open to you, Corinthians. Open your heart back to us. He pours his heart out to them in 2 Corinthians. Um, so we need to do that. Don't ask what you don't give. So that's the second Thing there. So what kind of information is useful to know or helpful in this process? Already asked about childhood. Maybe one of the ways that I ask that is, what was, what was um, your home like growing up? Okay? Um, or what did you like to do growing up? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go super serious, super deep, quick, because you never know what, what, what you're going to get into. Um, specifically, what did religion look like? in your home growing up? Um, what are some other questions that kind of just help you find out their background, their culture? Yeah? I don't know. <clears throat> it's not really a question, but when you share what you do in your life. Right. Uh, what did you do? I'm going to put you on mute. No. <laughs> do you need to take that or are you good? No. <laughs> I turned it. <laughs> what I was trying to get was sometimes when you share what you do in your life yeah. uh, to them so that they can know that. I mean, especially if you pick somebody that you know, it might be helpful to them to understand how important it is in your life to do the things that, that you do on a routine matter or in your day. And, yeah. and that, that would include when you come to church, how often you go to church. Yeah. Uh, you might, and that might lead you to a question, like, are you attending somewhere? Or mm -hmm. do you believe enough to do something like that? I mean, yeah. Yeah, people I think that you target, you will have some idea of that kind of stuff in their life. Once, or you shouldn't be targeted right away. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, maybe just a way to put this in a category, is wide open questions. It's just important to just kind of leave the, the, 
the door open. What was school like for you? Um, what, what are your experiences with church life? Just, that's, that's, not, that's not extreme in any way. That's just tell me, tell me what it's like. Tell me what it's been like for you. You might learn a lot. You might learn, wow, they never want to step foot in another church again. Depends. Um, and so what, what we're talking about is, um, is, is understanding where they come from. What do you think about the Bible? Or God? Or Jesus? What do you think about it? That'll, that'll also tell you a lot. Uh, somebody offered this once to me as well. Who, who has influenced you? Spiritually. And I say, oh man, this guy on YouTube, I love to listen to him. And he's a guru from India. You know, you just don't know until uh, you ask. Um, so these are really helpful in, in, uh, in, in understanding where someone's coming from. Look what it says there. Besides getting to know them, what will my questions demonstrate to them? How much care. That's right. Care. I was thinking about it with, with what you were saying, Mike, that you know, you can ask different things and um, at the end of the day, they might come away from that conversation and go, well, that was a little awkward. I'll tell you what, that guy really liked me. <laughs> I mean, you know, you might not be, you might not be the world's best conversationalist. That's not what we're trying to accomplish. Some people are really good at conversation. And then there's the rest of us. So it just depends. Um, what, how that's going to go, and, and there's a lot of different factors in that. But here's, here's the point, what you said, that we care. People are not a computer. Book, chapter, verse. Let's give them all of these different verses, and we're going to input them into the computer, and then out will pop a Christian. They're not computers. That's not how it works. It's not that simple. And you think about how you learned the truth. It wasn't that way either. What would you feel like if somebody came to your door and was trying to sell you some kind of religion and they flipped all over their special book and they gave you this verse and 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 this verse? What would you feel about that? Lost. Lost? Would you feel like you trusted what they said? Like, I don't even know where those verses came from. What was, the, what was going on in that book? Overwhelmed, yeah. And so that, that's, that's not how people learn. That's not how you learn. You learned in, in a context. You learned in patience. Um, it wasn't just drill and kill and then yes, master. But it was, it was um, through questions and through thinking through those things. Um, again, this goes back to that sales idea. They're not an opportunity. They're real people, just like me, just like you. I care about them, and I want to help them. What we're talking about is the idea of personal evangelism. Personal. What are some examples of impersonal evangelism? Okay, could be a script. Yeah. Impersonal evangelism. What's another example? Yeah, radio program. Billboard, tracks, cards. Now let me say something. Has there been somebody that's come to the Lord through a radio program? Yes. Has there been somebody that's come to the Lord through a track? Yes. So we're not saying that that is wrong. We're not saying that that never works or any of that stuff. What we're talking about, though, is the difference between those two, impersonal versus personal. So um, 
giving somebody a, a brochure, door knocking, if you get the door slammed in your face, have you lost anything? No, we want another person. Now, if you talk to a friend about the Lord and they don't want to talk to you anymore, have you lost something? There's a whole, whole lot higher risk to personal evangelism. Maybe it's more challenging because of that. Inviting them to church. Again, pro-inviting them to church. That's great. But that's not a personal, um, that's not personally working through things with them. That's bringing them to a location and letting something else teach them. Um, again, they're not wrong. They're just not personal. But sometimes that's all you got. Sometimes all you have is an impersonal setting. I use impersonal evangelism. I hand a card out and I say, hey, check, check, uh, check out the YouTube channel and, che- and, and check out what we do and I'd love to study with you sometime. So I got five seconds with them. But then there's the personal side where we have time to talk with people um, and, uh, and so we don't know the needs of people who are just passing through. Um, it's just going to be an offer. But our primary goal is to get to the personal level, to get to where we can, where we can understand someone and have a Bible study with them. Um, and if you're sitting there thinking, like, that's all I can do is pass out a card, we're going to have an entire class where we devote to what can I do without teaching? There's a whole lot more than just passing out a card. We are a team. It's not just five people here excited about evangelism and then the rest of us, we don't, we don't do that. We're a team. And so the team's going to have different roles, different functions, different supports. And we're all going to work together. We're praying together on these things, um, even if you're not a teacher yet. All right, danger. Before we go to danger, any other comments, questions on that? Yes? Um, something that I was just thinking about. Uh, if we look around this room, and most of us are not aware of that, see the streets and stuff like that, uh, probably nearly half are a case of where the, in the husband and wife and one converted or taught the other. Mm-hmm. And so when we sit in, in I just I can't talk to the I can't talk to the if Pat hadn't taught me, I wouldn't be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Now if if Christy hadn't taught he, he wouldn't be. And so we the list goes on, yeah. We we've done it. We've mm-hmm. either done it or we've had it taught to us. Received it, yes. And so we we know it better than probably than we do. That's right, yeah. Uh, Cecily just said, we either, we either taught it because of someone close to us has become a Christian, or we're the ones that have received it. We, we, we've walked through that. Um, and so, yeah, we're more familiar than we might give ourselves credit for. Again, it's evangelism a skill. Is evangelism something you do? What did I say at the beginning of class? Evangelism is something God does with you. It's different. It's a different way of looking at it. It's not about skill level here and how good you are with words. God can use broken, cheap pottery to put the treasure inside. And that's what he does all the time with me and with you. All right, danger. Danger at the bottom. There are things we might say or do that would derail the process of winning a soul at this early stage that could prevent the eventual due birth. What might some of those things be? 
things that we might avoid or prevent, some things we cannot help, you know, the gospel will by its nature be offensive to some. So I mean, it's going to be offensive. But what are some things that we might want to be careful about early on in conversation? Okay. All right. Grip them and dip them. Okay. Yeah, just, yeah, sorry, you're wrong about that. Close the door. Okay. Um, have you ever been wrong about something? Yeah? Sometimes it takes you a whole three years, the disciples, to get right about some things. So it might take some time. What else? Okay, insulting their current religion, the, the idols that they hold in their life, whatever it is, even if it's not religion, but it's something that's very cherished to them. Um, yeah, be careful about how we say certain things. Yes? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You need to be careful of how you come across whether you think, you don't want to give them the idea that you think you're there. Yes, that's right. That, that, that'd be a thing that would end right then. Yeah. Uh, so I've got three, three points on this. First one is verse grenades. Just take a verse and just throw it in there and see what happens. You know, Acts 2.38 says... Are you going to be baptized? You know, just throw it in there to see what happens. Well, you can fall from grace. Galatians 5. It's like, what's the context of that? What do they know? Do they know anything about what you just said? They ever read Acts 2? I mean, do they, do they understand what you're saying? What that is, is shorthand. You're using shorthand, code language that you think they understand. They don't know what you're talking about. But you've heard that verse a lot. And so it's actually what's happening is you're not listening. You're not listening to where they are. And you're just going to throw something in there and see what happens. Yes? Before Roseanne and I got married, uh, I grew up in a uh, Catholic family. We didn't know anything about the Bible. We knew there was a God. We knew Jesus was his son. But as far as knowing anything about the Bible, we didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. uh, we knew right from wrong. Our parents taught us right from wrong. But as far as knowing anything, I didn't know anything until I started studying with Rosine. Right. Right. Um, and aren't you glad that she didn't treat you like you were... An imbecile in some way. Like, well, you don't know. You don't know this. You know. You know. She she's patient with you, um, which is great. Um, so we're going to be at different places. The second one is the second issue, and this ties back to Luke 15, is fixing them. Fixing them. I want you to picture something with me. I want you to picture Jesus sitting around a table with some of the roughest people in society. And I want you to picture that he's saying things, they're commenting back, they're saying things, they're telling sad stories, they're saying stuff, and Jesus goes, oh, did somebody say that bad word? You don't say that around me. Do you think that's what he said? Do you think he was so offended by their sinfulness I don't think so. I, do, I, do I believe that he understands sin to the fullest degree more than I ever will? Yes. But here's the issue with correcting people's sin. 
if I over and over beat somebody over the head, you need to stop cussing. You need to stop cussing. And they stop cussing. Guess where they are? Still lost. They're still lost. They didn't. They didn't obey the Lord. They obeyed me. <coughs> but if I convince them that the Prince of Life wants to give them life and to surrender everything to Him, and they become a Christian and put Him on in baptism, what, what do you think they're going to want to give up? Everything for Him. That's the way that it goes. We don't clean people up at the bathhouse and then bring them in. They're not saved by their works or how good they are. They're saved by the grace when they accept it and they repent of all of their sins. But getting them to repent in different ways without the gospel is just like getting them to lose weight at the gym. Like, how's that going to help them spiritually? You see what I'm saying? There's a, there is a, we're talking about derailing something. We're trying to get them to know Jesus, not just quit sin. They're going to quit sin if they know Jesus. We get that backwards sometimes. So that's hard for us because some of us get it. If you're going to love truth, what are you going to hate? Error. So you get it. But not everybody gets it. They don't understand. So you've got to be patient with them and where they are. That's the third thing. So second thing I said, fixing them, we've got to think about what is my goal? Is my goal for them to stop doing some particular small sin or big sin? Or is it to give their life? And they'll give every sin up. Thirdly, the third one is begin in the beginning, which I already said this. Begin in the beginning. But I'm going to give you an analogy. So uh, there is a man that's in the desert. He's coming through the desert. And you see him come into town. And he looks awful. He's blistered up. He is as skinny as a rail. He is panting. Uh, he's just crawling into the city. Does that man need a lot of stuff? Yeah. So what's the first thing you give him? Do you give him aloe? You say, yeah, your skin doesn't look so great. Water. He needs water. He needs water. So, again, begin in the beginning. Does the person who doesn't know the Lord need to know about instruments? That's, that's step D, that's step F, or G, or L. That's not A, B, and C. That's not the foundations that they need. That, that'll come later. But me, me trying to talk to them about specific things of worship, or, or specific things of organization, or instruments, or, or whatever, and they don't even know how to be saved biblically? You see how we're getting the cart before the horse? What's their most important need? What's their water? Salvation. They didn't understand how the Bible teaches how to be saved. Not issues down the road. They'll get there again if they learn to surrender to the king, to his authority for their life and everything that they do. So those three things have been helpful to me to think about. Hey, what am I trying to accomplish here with this person? And how can I help them get to that goal? Um... So I've got to be careful about those things. <coughs> I'm going to add in back the caveat, which is even if you mess up, God has used plenty of mess ups before, mine included. I mean, it's just how it is. But if your care and your concern for them is number one, they're going to see that. 
You're not trying to be right. You're not trying to be holier than thou in some way. You're trying to help them. Comments or questions on other things or that we might that might be dangerous in our first conversations with people. Yes, sir. I'd say don't don't assume if you know where they go to church, don't assume that they believe X, Y, and Z. Amen. That's right. Uh, I'll repeat that. So Blake said, if you know where they go to church, don't then say, yeah, you believe. That's not always true. In fact, it's probably more not true because most people don't even know what their church teaches in certain things. They might not even believe half of that stuff. Um, So there's ways to do that instead of saying, oh, you believe. Well, don't assume that. That's right. Very good. Assumption, just in general. Let's not assume things. We don't like that. Someone assumes that about us. About me. So, let's look at uh, Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. As we're turning, I'll just tell you, I've had droves of people, by the way, not cuss around me. And I've never told them not to cuss around me. Just interesting how that works. But they, they know that I, don't, I won't reciprocate. Yes? Okay. All right. Uh, principles in evangelism. We're going to work through some of these things. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. That's why you had your hand up, and you go. Go ahead. Cast your bread upon waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven, and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or the north in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything in the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. All right, so um, there's a lot of different things going on here, but what might be some principles that we could apply to evangelism? Don't be an armchair quarterback. Don't be an armchair quarterback. I missed that verse. What was that? <laughs> Particular verse, though. That just, okay. In the game. Explain. Uh, if you spend all your time thinking about okay. things and you don't act upon anything, you're never going to accomplish anything. Right. Uh, that's verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow. Like, if you're just waiting around for the right time, when's that right time going to be for you and your loved one? Maybe they'll just walk in one day and say, hey, I want to know something. But usually that's not how it works. Usually it doesn't. Um, What else? Well, what this, I think, is trying to say, too, is that there's effort in the way. It's not that you, uh, like you said, you weren't planning or you didn't sow your seed. You you put your hand to the flower, however you want to list it here. Here, uh, the, the teacher 
to say something, Rachel? Explain it at their level of understanding. Yeah. 
Other thoughts? I'm going to be the challenge in making it clear. Kind of breaks through what they've always believed. Okay, we live in a world. They did it in the first century, so this is not new, but it's just stacked onto it. We live in a world of false doctrine. The, the word church has been corrupted. The word faith has been corrupted. The word belief has been... I mean, just every kind of word you can imagine that's in, found in the Bible has so many different meanings to 500 different people. So how do you make it clear? How do you make it clear to somebody what you're talking about? What do you have to do? Keep it simple. Okay. You have to live it, but I'm talking about with conversation. Ask. Ask them what they believe this means. Ask them what they, they think that text means when you're reading. Don't assume. Listen to them and see what they have to say. Um, I'll give you an example of a failure before we go. <laughs> this is my favorite example of this about understanding where people are. Uh, I was studying with a lady for a while, Cammie and I, and picked her up. And this time she had a, a lifelong friend with her. She'd known her for years. She was in, traveling in, out of town. And this was back in Kentucky. Anyways, stay went great. Everything was awesome. And I was making some really, really hard points about Jesus' deity, that he is God. And she was nodding along, going along. And I was like, yeah, she's getting it. Yes, there's one more. That's awesome. And we're driving back home. And I was like, oh, tell me more. And she goes, well, I've been a Buddhist for 35 years. Like, I thought you were just like, yeah, amen, amen. You know, you don't know unless you ask. Unless you ask. Thank you all.